Hey, we're blessed today to have Ross Bartlett here. And uh, he's going to come. He's got a great word from God. So why don't you put your hands together and welcome Ross as he comes to minister. Thanks so much, Ross. Thank you, Paul. Sorry you had to wait while I traversed up here. Dr. Seth might be able to get up here because he's got longer legs than me. Mine are only long enough to reach the ground. So, Oh, that was, they're pretty slow tonight. <laughs> oh, don't you love the Holy Ghost? I could actually go and sit down from Paul's message this morning to the songs that we've sung, to the prophetic utterance that we've heard, and then Paul's dissertation there just a wee while ago, I hate it when you steal my notes. (laughs) Must be the same Holy Spirit, buddy. Right, are you ready? I've got a few words to speak, if that's okay. Is that all right? Oh, I can see you now, that's good. Hi on this side. Hi on this side. That's great. It looks what an amazing bunch of people. I got a message here entitled What is really happening today? And one of my most favorite television programs is the news. Not. Don't tell my wife, she's a news junkie. Don't tell her that I said that. I might get into trouble. You know, we've only got to turn on the news any time, any day, to discover any number of negative reports that are pre- being presented as reality or as truth. Doesn't it wind you up? Well, it winds me up. I don't know about you. You know, the greatest challenge that we have as Christians is in separating the content of daily news bulletins, gossip, rumor, and false information from what is really happening in the earth today. From our perspective, from his perspective. There is so much being offered today as news that even our newscasters have lost the plot. They really have. They're more like becoming media influencers rather than reporters of daily events. Do you get that? How much of the news really is just influential hogwash that is trying to condition people to their way of thinking? That's my thought. You don't have to agree. We can easily identify a number of of topics that are spoken about with monotonous regularity in the time that we're in right now. COVID. Delta. Omicron. Do you know if you jumble up those, it actually spells moronic? I'm a wordsmith. I understand these things. Masks. Two masks. Jabs. No jabs. More jabs. The economy. Work from home. Jobs and and losses of jobs. Hoarding toilet paper. Is that news, for goodness sake? Oh, yeah, and just one other thing that hasn't been on the news for a while, because I think they've forgotten about it. Climate change. Isn't it amazing? 
that we have all of this stuff going on and we're all conditioned with a new set of language tools with which to discuss things. How are you going? Did you see the news today? Did you hear about COVID? Did you hear what's happening with that? I'm bored to tears, quite frankly. But there you go. But that's all I'm going to say about that. I want to come back to my initial question. What is really happening today? Now, I'm not talking about economic or political realignment. They're big words, aren't they? I'm not talking about the loss of personal freedoms. I'm not talking about the COVID saga that swamps the airwaves on a daily basis. I'm not talking about the governmental mandates that are affecting every life. I'm not talking about the fear and division that is permeating society, including the church. One thing I do know is that God is not taken by surprise. His agenda has not changed. And he continues to build his church to fulfill the mandate that he has set for it. Just as I begin this message, there's four things that I want us to really understand. And they're primarily being spoken about today already. Thank you, Pastor Paul. I appreciate that. But it's great. Today, we have the joining of generations with genuine fathers and mothers of the spirit being raised up who will coach and guide the new youth movement into maturity. I want to repeat these. Today we have the joining of generations with genuine fathers and mothers. Those of the Spirit, they're being raised up and they will coach and guide the new youth movement into maturity. They're being put together. Secondly, today we have a global prayer movement that is undergirding the fresh moves of God. And I think I mention that just about every time I grab a microphone, but it's just something that burns in my heart the whole time because we're hearing it, we're seeing it, we're watching it grow, and it's absolutely astounding. Today, even sitting here right now, we have survivors of the past moves of God ready to facilitate change with what God wants to do with the next generation. Pastor Paul was speaking this morning about God speaking in this season for what he wants to do in the next season. And that's, what, that's part of what he is beginning to do. He's taking those who have survived the past moves of God, those who are hanging in there because of what they have seen in the past, and they are now ready and willing to facilitate the change that's necessary to those of the next generation that will carry the next move of God. And today we have another wave of God's presence that's being globally poured out. And the international family of God is connecting in, waves, in ways never before seen. And I'm not just talking about the technological advances. But I'm talking about the connection in the realm of the Spirit that is touching nation after nation after nation after nation. Now God is shaping a new generation of influencers, not newscasters. I don't want to hear Christians newscasting, but I do want to hear them being influencers in their chosen realm 
of influence. God is on the move in waves that we've yet to fully come to grips with. Again, mirroring what Pastor Paul was talking about this morning. But the one thing that I am sure of is that every single one of us, have you buckled your seatbelts? Every single one of us are in for serious change. Serious change in development according to his plan and his purpose. And he is speaking into this season what he wants to do in the next season. I love that phrase you used this morning, Paul. I thought that was just summed it up so beautifully. New identities are being formed. Your identity is being fashioned and shaped from something very different to what you have experienced in the past season. New identities are being formed, and it's important that we all listen and watch for for what might be showing up in our lives in this season. See, you did get my notes. New identities are being formed, and it's important that we listen and watch for what might be showing up in our lives in this season that will carry us with greater level of influence into the next season that God has for our lives. New identities will include changes or development in specific areas of gifting and anointing, and for some, that's already begun to be formed. It's already happening. New identities will include changes in long-established roles or in some cases, roles that have been developed out of necessity rather than out of calling. So you may be in a role now out of necessity, but you're going to be called out of it into the calling according to that which he has determined for your life. It's gone very quiet. New identities will include changes that will be made evident through the stirring of the Spirit of God. And I want you to hear this. You will not ignore it. He won't allow you to. We have this gentle Spirit of God flowing through our meetings. You want to sit in front of this man down here when you're trying to worship. And you're being hit with waves of the anointing. I've never sat in front of you. I've sat beside you a lot, but I've never sat in front of you. And I'm just going. (laughs) These waves, (laughs) waves of anointing just kept hitting me in the back. And I went to him and I said, I've never sat in front of you before and I don't like it. I'm going to stand beside you. No, I I do like it. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. Oh, this gentle Holy Spirit, can I come down here, who loves to just treat us so gently, doesn't he? Just so gently. Do you like being treated gently, Shona? Do you? Gently? I can't go through there. Do you like being treated gently by the Holy Spirit? Well, that season is over. Sorry. No, I'm not. You are going to be required, requested, slapped around if necessary 
to listen to the change that he's bringing into your life. And if we all sit there and we go, oh, I want the change. I want to see the change. I want to feel the change. I want to know what the change is. I want the new anointing. I want all of that. Stop being so blimmin' selfish. It's not about you. He's building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is changing us so that we might be change agents for others. The anointing that you carry is not for you. The increase in the anointing is not for you. It's for others. I've got a, a heading here that says this. We cannot, should not, and will not stay the same. I was spending a bit of time... Oh, dear. I'm getting drunk. In Acts 2.17, and this is a verse that we should know it all by heart. In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. But one of the most important things that I want you to understand is that the outpouring of the spirit is not a one-time event. We're going to see and hear things that will turn our lives upside down. Or should I say up the right way. In the last days, it is God's purpose to empower his people again and again and again and again with extraordinary outpourings of the Spirit until the witness to his name has reached even to the ends of the earth. Do we need another outpouring of the Spirit? You bet your boots we do. Do we need another, another, another outpouring of the Spirit? Absolutely we do. Bring it on. In the face of the pandemic, and in the midst of what can be construed as a level of persecution, let me talk about persecution just for a moment. A few years ago, I had the privilege of spending three weeks in Vietnam, preaching and teaching to young pastors. Now, I'm talking not so much young pastors chronologically, but they've been six months in the Lord and they're growing churches of 300 people. Doesn't that give you a shock? But during one lunch break, I was sitting down with two pastors from the Central Highlands up near the Lao border. And they were talking to me through an interpreter and asking about what it was like in New Zealand. Now, these two guys had been imprisoned beaten, their homes had been burnt, their wives and children had been imprisoned just for preaching the gospel. But they continued on. Now, these, they're six months, eight months, nine months in the Lord. They didn't have a full Bible. They had a few chapters. I had the privilege of taking 300 Bibles. That was a story in itself. That was funny. So that we were able to hand them the scriptures in their language. And they wept, and they wept, and they wept. And I'm talking to these two younger guys. They're probably, well, younger, they're younger than me. Probably in their late 30s, early 40s. 
and they were telling me about the persecution, but not with a sense of sadness. They were talking about the persecution they'd experienced with utter joy in their hearts because they became the biggest growth points in their churches when they underwent that sort of influence, that sort of stuff in their, in their lives. And one of them very seriously asked through the interpreter, do you have persecution like that in your country? And I looked at them and I said, no, we don't. And he started to cry. I thought, oh. And then he said through the interpreter, we will pray that you can stand without persecution. And I spent time with a, a Methodist pastor who was building a, a, um, a Bible school in the bush in a place called Long Tan. And he's, I relayed the story to him and he said that what they're telling you is that they know what they're up against. But they also know the power of the gospel with what they're up against. But in the Western church, you don't know. You haven't got a clue. Now, to all that to say, if we are to experience persecution, what we should be saying is, bring it on. Bring it on so that we can grow up and begin to see the church grow like never before. There's a heavy one for you, isn't it? But in the face of the pandemic and in the midst of what can be construed as persecution, the church is going to have extraordinary power. And that's what these, these two men were experiencing. Extraordinary zeal. And that's what they were experiencing. Extraordinary passion and love for Jesus. And she will burn with passion and shine with truth until every people and tribe and tongue has seen the light of the gospel. These same two guys had lived up near Hanoi, up in the north. And their homes got burnt, their church was burned. So they moved lock, stock and barrel, their family, their kids, and they went south up to the central highlands where they had up into the Lao border. And when I spoke to them, I said, how big is your church? We're, we're, we're incensed, aren't we? We, sort of, we get all caught up with numbers. And they said, 300,000. And I said, excuse me, 300,000. Because it's a tribal group of people, that's the size of the tribe that they're ministering to. They had 300. But their vision was to 300,000. Can, can I tell another story? This, I tell you, this was just so amazing. I'm not, not sure whether I've, talk, I've said this one before. But they, they came to quite a large village, but they weren't allowed to go into the village to start to witness because it was run by the gangs who were employed by the government to make sure the gospel didn't get preached. So the, it was in a basin, this village. So they went up onto the ring around the basin and they built homes there. And they built a church. And just the two families 
and they began to worship and the sounds just went out across the valley. And every now and again, some people would come up from the village and they would get saved. Now, every so often, these gangs would come and they would destroy the crops or they would take all the food and take the animals and do all sorts of wonderful things. And it was very difficult for the villagers to even subsist with that sort of stuff going on. And there came a time when a couple of the families came and said, can we build our houses next to yours? And, of course, they said, oh, suppose. You know, they can just do that, grab a plot of land and build a basic dwelling. And over two years, they ringed the basin with new houses and the village was emptied. Isn't that amazing? And they began to be, influ they influenced that whole village until finally they were all up around the ring of this basin and that became their food bowl. But because of the, like a hedge, if you like, around the village, they were never attacked again. And they'd gone for two years without any raids whatsoever. And that, that was 300 people. And then they were starting to reach out into the other villages in the area, into the 300,000. That was their vision. So um, can we get a bigger vision, Pastor Paul? Is that okay? W would we manage that all right? That'd be really good. I want to tell you this. Signs and wonders must not be taken lightly. They must not. Because they are not given for trivial reasons. Signs and wonders are given for amazing reasons. God's power displayed by signs and wonders, particularly in the days that we're in now, will be unprecedented because they will serve to confirm and signify one of the greatest events of all time. This is what it's being pointed to. The ingathering of souls prior to the second coming of the one we serve. We need to get a hunger for signs and wonders, for the miraculous, for those things that will cause people's hair to stand on end. The purpose of the outpouring of the Spirit and the increase of the prophetic ministry and the signs and wonders is to awaken the church to passionate Christianity and bring people to salvation. That's what it's for. If we're just going to be consumers, we will empty the church. Because consumerism eventually ends up with ho-hum, why do I bother? There needs to be change, and it's, it's, it's happening. Oh, do you think I'm a bit um, wound up about that? But that's okay. Now, this is God's agenda for you tonight. Four questions. What is it the Lord wants to change most in your life at this time? Second, what is it that the Holy Spirit wants to release to you. Third, what is it the Holy Spirit wants to release in you? What is it that the Holy Spirit wants to release through you? Begin to ponder the questions and answer the questions. Oh, how do I do that? 
ask him. I've been spending quite a bit of time in the book of Daniel. And I, this, this four guys changed a nation. Do you think we can do that? Yeah, absolutely. But the life of Daniel in Babylon parallels the dilemma that we are faced with right now. Just as the modern church has been placed in a culture that opposes or in some ways inhibits the worship of God, so Daniel was placed in the culture and kingdom that did exactly the same. Because of his ability to impact his surrounding culture, we can draw from his life a number of principles on godly cultural relevancy. Unlike most of the current church, Daniel successfully impacted his surrounding culture without becoming morally tarnished by it. You see why there's change coming in the church, folks? Can we see why the Spirit of God is about to be poured out again and again and again and again? Because he's building his church. He's building his church. As is made evident by Daniel, successful relevance in the culture does not require that believers relinquish their morality, nor does it require that they disassociate from the culture. How can you win your neighbor if you don't spend time with them? How can you win people down the street if you don't make yourself available to them? In Daniel 1, verses 17 to 20. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Haven't we heard that tonight somewhere? And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah as they entered the king's service. In every manner of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom what an amazing future we have as a church when we begin to show the culture that we're a part of the culture that we have been uh, born into the kingdom for such a time as this when we begin to show through signs and wonders through learning through understanding through wisdom that what we carry is greater, much greater than anything that the world can provide. We have the answers. Now, this was the first miracle in this book of Daniel. The gifting from God and knowledge and understanding came after faithfulness was displayed. There is conflict that allows the faithfulness of a person to come forward and as a result, a greater level of trust and responsibility was conferred upon these four men. They showed themselves faithful. And as a result of that, there was a level of trust and responsibility that was given to them. This is one of the greater lessons that 
the Lord is teaching the church today. They were God-fearing, God-fearing, serving, living in a pagan land. It's no different than we have today. But which kingdom are we going to be influenced by? They did not compromise what God had set before them. And as we see throughout the book of Daniel, God shows up. He goes before them and he equips them to handle anything that comes their way. And that is the place he's bringing us into church in the day that, in the season that we're in now. And it's a bit like after the message this morning, the prophetic utterance tonight, and what's been spoken about is he's saying, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Get ready to receive more and more and more and more. Not the gentle stuff. It's going to be a rocky road, but I'd rather be hanging on to the anchor, thank you. Oh. As and when you sense a change taking place in your thinking regarding your current role, your primary of gifting, and your deepest desires, you did get my notes, in fulfilling his plan and purpose, take Notice. Take notice. These changes will not only become the prime area of your gifting, but will also become your prime place of breakthrough and fruitfulness. If you tackle that first, if you gain the victory in that area first, then you will have an increase of faith and anointing for the next season oh I put in my notes here and I, I, I nearly took it out but I'm going to speak it out move as quickly as the Holy Spirit requires but that requirement is on the up as far as the revolutions are concerned This isn't a Morris Minor job. This is a Glenn Collins car job. High revving and fast. Jeremiah 29, 11 to 13. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Then you will call upon me. And you will come and pray to me, and I will hear and heed you. Then you will seek me, inquire for, and require me as a vital necessity, and find me when you search me with all your heart. Something else that's already been mentioned today. God has a plan. God has a plan for you individually and corporately. And his plan is scheduled down to the most intricate detail. This isn't some brushstroke of a plan. This is intimate, detailed. Every part that he has determined for your life, he is waiting for you to come and to read and to know and to walk in. He knows. And the interesting thing is he's in control of the future. Did you know that? Oh, it's wonderful. 
Everything that God has predicted so far has come true, exactly as he predicted. That's a good place to start. <laughs> Therefore, we should believe and trust that the things he has predicted for the future will one day occur exactly as he has declared it. God has provided us with everything we need to know concerning his heart toward us. We can know his thoughts. We can know his plans. We can know his designs, his purposes, and his progressive vision for our lives. Would you stand tonight with me? We have an amazing opportunity, church, because he is saying the same thing time after time after time. Not because we're thick necessarily, but because he wants us to get it. To make sure that as he begins to move, we are in the place that we are prepared to move. As he begins to outpour his spirit, we are so receptive that even as he begins, we're ready. Hands raised, hearts open, hungry, waiting for that to happen. We will begin to see the, the signs and the wonders that we read about so often. And yet there is such dissatisfaction. And that's when consumerism starts to take over in the church. And I'm declaring tonight, consumerism has come to an end. We are to stand on the promises of God. We are to move into the place that He has for each and every one of us. And for some of you, that will change. For some of you, that will be dramatically different to what you're doing now. But that's not about you again. It's not about the church. It's about the kingdom. It's about fruitfulness. It's about faithfulness. Father, we thank you tonight that as we stand in your presence, Lord, we open our hearts and we say, Lord, do it again. Pour out your Spirit upon all flesh. Pour out your Spirit upon each and every one of us that we might receive everything that you have for us. And we declare tonight and say, Lord, we are ready. We are waiting in the precious name of Jesus.